0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I thought it'd be a good opportunity with Wes being here and us seeing this video and hearing a little bit to kind of think about mission work scripturally. Those of you that have been around here for a number of years know that uh, Rosemont has been sending people all over the world for a long time, been very serious about mission work, and COVID kind of ground all that to a halt, right? You, you know what a flywheel is. Once it gets going, there's a lot of momentum, and it kind of keeps going and churning. And when that thing stops, uh, it's hard to get it going again. It's a slow process, but our prayer is that we get that thing going again and continue to sin. So we've got a lot of trips planned this year, a lot of opportunities for you to be involved. But I wanted to challenge you with the truth of God's word. Listen, here's the bottom line. You don't need to go because Wes asked you to go. You don't need to go because I ask you to go. You need to go because the Lord's called you to go, period. And so it's his calling that we're answering. It's his voice that we're listening. That's the challenge in our lives. But Adam, I don't have this. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I know. I get it. I get it. Nobody ever does. But I pray that as you're seeing this truth this morning, as you're examining the Word of God, as you're seeing how the, the Lord worked in the first century, I pray that something in your mind, in your heart, shifts, changes, is challenged maybe in a way that's never been challenged before. So Acts 13 is kind of found in a bigger picture of the book of Acts. right? The book of Acts is really about the Holy Spirit leading the early church to reach the world for Jesus. That's kind of what the book of Acts is about. And Acts 1-8 is kind of a foundational verse, and you don't have to flip back. You can if you want to, but Acts 1-8 kind of sums up the challenge that Christ gives his followers, but it really gives us a blueprint now as we move forward. So I'm going to read it for you. This is just before Jesus ascends into heaven. He's speaking to his followers. Here's what he says. You will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? Jesus says, "Listen, the Holy Spirit is going to give you this power that really you'll never fully understand this side of eternity. We still don't fully understand it. But we've given this power of the Spirit with the express purpose of going to share the gospel. And He does this neat kind of thing where there are these expanding circles." of Jerusalem, that's local, Judea, Samaria, which is more regional, and to the ends or the uttermost parts of the earth. And so there's this idea the Holy Spirit is going to call us and challenge us, equip us, give us power to reach people locally, regionally, and around the world. Then Acts follows that blueprint. So they start in Jerusalem, they work out to Judea, Samaria, and eventually the disciples go to the ends of the world, and our calling is to continue that mandate, to continue that challenge of going to the uttermost parts of the earth so that we can share the gospel with people that have never heard it. Now, I know it's hard for us to imagine in little old Troop County, but there are people in places of the world that have never heard the name Jesus. Not they've chosen not to follow him, they've never heard his name. And so we have this incredible opportunity as the Lord challenges us through His Word to go and to do and to share. So Acts chapter 13, I want you to notice what's happening in this church. I want you to notice the relationship here between the church and the Holy Spirit and then what the Lord is doing in the hearts of these people. So Acts chapter 13, just three verses this morning. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius the Cyrene, Manan, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul would later become known as Paul, wrote the majority of the New Testament. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them And sent them off, right? I want to understand this morning what the church is called to do, what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then our response to that. So here's the first truth I want you to get. Number one, a faithful church, first of all, seeks the Lord, right? There's this foundational understanding that before the Lord is going to do this massive work in the church, the church ought to be serious about walking with Jesus, following Jesus serving faithfully all the things the Lord's called them to do. And so we see that right here in Acts chapter 13, right? In verse 2, I want you to notice what it does not say. It doesn't say, look at it, I want you to see it right here. While they were complaining about the color of the carpet, hmm, while they were gossiping about the pastor, I know none of y'all would ever gossip about the pastor. It's not y'all, but some people do that, right? While they were complaining about something somebody said to them in the parking lot, that's not what it says. (laughs) <laughs> instead it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And There's this sense here, scripturally, we see it in Acts, we see it in other parts of the New Testament. When a church is serious about walking with the Lord, when a church is serious about worship and prayer and study and fasting, the Lord always uses that church to do incredible things. If you wonder why the Lord's maybe not using you or not using this group of people, it's probably because they're not willing to let Him use them. The problem is never the Lord, it's always us. our hearts. Because He's always there. He's always willing. He's always able. So we see this church, this idea of of the personal individual and the corporate, right? They're personally fasting. They're personally growing But they're also corporately worshiping together. Now, it's easy for us to separate these. Here's what we do we say something like this You know, Pastor, I don't have to be in church to worship. You know, I can worship just fine on my way to work. I listen to praise music, I listen to a sermon every now and then. I'm driving to work or listen. I don't have to be in the building. I can, I can uh, read my Bible in the deer stand or listen, I can be out on the jet skis, listening to praise music behind the boat, right? We're pushing it a little bit now, right? But I can do all sorts of things and I can, I can worship and I get that, right? I, I hear what you're saying, right? And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but I think there's this biblical mandate and more than that, there's this biblical blessing from being around unbelievers. From being around believers. I know none of y'all are unbelievers. From being around believers and Christians on a regular basis, right? We need to worship together. There's a corporate sense in Scripture for a reason, and so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna step on your toes for a second. When you make an excuse not to come, you're not fulfilling the calling of the Lord in Scripture. I, I told the first service, you know, when I was a kid, we used to have the little we used to have the little stickers, and I got a couple of pastors right here that probably remember those days. We used to have the little stickers where you put a little star. When you were a present, right? Sunday school, I grew up. My dad was a ministry. Media, so I had 52 of those bad boys. I was proud of all my stars. How I wasn't missing a Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? I was proud of that, right? But we've kind of come to this place, and I, forgive me if I uh, offend you. We've come to this place now where if you get 12 of those a year, you feel pretty good about your attendance. Like, once a month, man, I'm a pretty regular attendant at Rosemont. Yeah, I come once every few weeks. I get it. There's a thousand different things we could be doing. What are we doing to worship and fast and come together as a corporate body of believers to sing and to pray? Because when we do those things, when we're serious about those things, I want you to know something very interesting that happens there in this verse. Verse 2 again, notice, while they were worshiping and fasting, right? While they're serious, while there's this corporate thing and the individual and they're serious about their faith, the Holy Spirit speaks to them. You see that? People are serious about their walk and they're doing the things the Lord has called them to do. The Holy Spirit is going to work. You know, you start studying revivals, and I talked a little bit more in the first service about the Great Awakening. George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Maybe you've heard that sermon or read it. 1740-ish. You know, you really can kind of date it to the 1720s. And but thousands of people in the colonies in the 1740s were saved, thousands, tens of thousands churches were started all over New England and down into the southern colonies. And a lot of historians would say the really kind of the beginning rumblings of the American Revolution were sometime in the early parts of the 1720s, 1730s, came from this idea of the Great Awakening. And they trace this back to churches, Northampton, Massachusetts, where Jonathan Edwards pastored. I want you to listen to a quote he made uh, concerned about his people. This is in the 1740s. He said, The town experienced a degenerate time with dullness of religion. Listen, the young people were addicted to night walking, tavern drinking, and lewd practices. I wonder what he'd say if he saw us today, right? If he saw kind of society today. But he realized there was a problem. And so guess what? His people started praying. There's your magic wand for revival, right? They started praying and seeking the Lord. And from that, the great awakening People came to know Christ, and it really changed the face of America and the world. What would happen if our church was serious about worshiping and fasting? What if we were serious about what the Lord was doing in our lives? And you say, I don't, I don't know that I've ever sensed the presence of the Lord working in my life like that. I'm not sure I've ever sensed the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're not dedicating yourself to Him. Maybe you're not spending enough time in prayer, enough time in study. Right? What, what are we doing to hear the voice of the Lord. Look at verse 2 again. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Here's the second thing, right? A faithful church is serious about faith. Number two, a faithful church is called to action. Right? I've said this before, but Christianity is not a passive sport. Right? It's not good enough for us just to kind of sit and soak. And I know there's a place for that, right? I'm not saying that's always wrong. But if your Christian faith is basically about you coming and listening, that's all you've ever done, you're missing this. Because the Holy, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit called them just to sit around and never do anything. That's not what it says. Instead, they call them to action, call them to do work, Right? called them to go, called them to be involved. Now, The Holy Spirit does a lot of things. There's a lot of things scripturally we can say about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you just a real quick list. I don't have time this morning to get into these. I'm happy to talk with you personally about these. But when you start thinking about the Holy Spirit speaking and the Holy Spirit leading, we see that in several different ways. One of the things we see scripturally, kind of foundationally, is that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, the Holy Spirit indwells us. So Jesus, in John chapter 14, talking about the Spirit, said the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Another truth we see scripturally is that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things, remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit also convicts us. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And the Holy Spirit gives us peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives Do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, right? So we we see this idea that the Spirit leads us, guides us, convicts us, directs us, gives us peace, and calls us to action, right? So there's this real interesting progression. When we're serious about our faith, when a church is serious about worshiping and praying and fasting and gathering together as a body. When we do those things, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and the Holy Spirit is going to call us then to action to do some very specific things. Now, now here's where the rubber meets the road, right? Because it's not just about the church at large. I want you to look and see what happens there in verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. This is Barnabas and Saul and sent them all. So truth number three, a faithful church sins. A faithful church is serious about its faith. A faithful church hears from the Spirit, which calls it to action. And then because of all those things, a faithful church should send people into the world. Now, I've been saying this for a number of years, but you've probably heard me if you've been around for more than a year or two. You have two options when it comes to mission work. You can either send or you can go. Here's how John Piper explained it. I like the way he said it. He says there are three possibilities. You can be a goer, a sender, or disobedient. Like There's really nowhere in Scripture where you get to say, you know, I'm just not really called to go, and I have no real desire to send anybody. I'm just going to kind of sit here and be passive and sit. And so there's not a place for that in Scripture. Instead, we find churches that are active, seeking, praying, hearing from the Lord, sending, and then people that are called to go. So some of y'all may be sitting here and you may sense something in your heart you haven't ever sensed before. And you're like, I hear this sermon and I don't know, maybe the Lord's calling me to do something. I'm not quite sure what that is. Maybe the Lord's calling you to do something locally. That's a great place to start, Jerusalem. Maybe that's at work tomorrow, right? Maybe that's the gas station on the way home. Maybe that's on the ball field. You fill in the blank. Maybe the Lord's calling you to do something in the context of LaGrange, Troop County, the the Jerusalem, right? That Acts 1-8 model. The Lord's calling you to do something right now. The Holy Spirit is calling you. You should be prepared for action. You should be willing to go to be sent, even if it means just walking across the street to witness to your neighbor. Now, the next step beyond that is maybe the Lord's calling you kind of short-term mission work. I've met a lot of missionaries, and I know Wes has as well, and some of you have over the years. And so many of them tell me that it's the short-term mission trip that really kind of starts the process of the long-term calling in a person's life. So that short-term trip matters. It gives you an opportunity to see some things, to experience some things, to be challenged spiritually in ways, to be really stretched right, in ways that are not real comfortable, let's be very honest, but are good for you spiritually. And so this church provides you a lot of different opportunities. In fact, we've given you the option if you take the little card at some point this morning in front of you and scan that code. I know you think that's just for our guests, and it is, but it's for us as well, the people that have been here for a number of years, because it takes you to a link tree with several different things you can choose from. And there's a little button that says 2023 Mission Trip Interest Form. Just click that button, Fill the form out, somebody will contact you. Just gives you an opportunity. To say, I'm, I'm not necessarily signing up for this yet. I'm just thinking about it. I'm, I'm praying about it. What would the Lord do in my life if I were willing to go? And then there's this long-term option, right? And we've had the privilege over the last several years to, to, to send out several people, long term mission work, some that are still on the field that say, I'm willing to sell everything I own. I'm willing to go and move to wherever the Lord calls me, and I plan on living there until He brings me home so that I can share the gospel with Jesus Christ. Here's the bottom line for us. Listen, church, we need to be willing to listen to what the Spirit calls us to do and then do it. Even if it's not easy, even if it's not comfortable, even if it's something we've never done before. When the Lord speaks, we listen. When He calls, we go. There is a lost and dying world. There are billions of people on this planet currently, As they die right now, are going to live eternally separated from the Lord. Right? We can't reach them all, but you sure can reach one of them, can't you? You sure can be willing to go and to share and to do. So what's the Lord calling you to do? And how is he going to use you to accomplish his purposes? Let's pray. We thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity of of sharing, of hearing, of being challenged this morning, Father. We, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. So many baptisms these last few months, Father. We just are so grateful. We praise your name, Father. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for these adults and for these children, for these students to give their hearts and their lives to Christ, Father. We praise your name for that. We praise your name for the opportunities you've given us to reach this community and and this world and so I, I pray lord that that the scripture we've studied this morning has been challenging to us i pray it's been encouraging to us i pray father that it would lead us to this place of radical obedience even if we don't fully understand what you want us to do father you, we know that there's a call we know there's a purpose we know we've been sent and father we need to move to action And so stir the hearts of these people maybe to do something they've never done before, to be challenged in their walk, challenged in their faith. Father, you do great work. Use us to accomplish your purposes. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.